are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. So I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands the conversation. And I often draw on my meeting work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as my own experience consulting, including the work I do today at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but a thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Mario McCracken, who is the revenue leader at Move Medical, where he leads the sales, marketing, and customer success efforts. He's also a thought leader who writes on LinkedIn and for, for Inc. We talked about the art and science of building great teams and why doing so bolsters the impact leaders can have. With us this week is Bill Lee, the founder and CEO of the Center for Customer Engagement, which provides consulting and research services for senior management, as well as a global peer community and educational services for customer engagement implementation teams. He is the president of the Summit on Customer Engagement and the author of The Hidden Wealth of Customers. We'll be talking about the criticality of cultivating customer relationships for the bottom line financial health of a company, and also how doing so contributes to increased employee fulfillment and engagement. I thought it was kind of fun to think about how we can actually love and develop relationships Relationships with customers on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Bill joins us today from Dallas. Bill, welcome to Working on Purpose. Great to have you. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. So I want to start by situating this episode for our listeners. You know, so you and I have talked many times, and the, and the listeners who've heard the show know that this show is about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work. And most people in some capacity ultimately work to serve customers. So, of course, customers are the center of our universe, if you will. So I want to start with that, Bill. And you and I first met and talked about each of us being passionate about the work that we do. Comment, if you will, on this common connection of customers and why they're so important for all of us, no matter what kind of work we do. Well, this is, uh, this is about as fundamental as you get. This goes back to Peter Drucker, who said the purpose of a business is to create a customer. Um, and to serve a customer and to keep a customer. Um, that's, that's why we do what we do. And, uh, if you're, uh, in a firm and you're, you've got employees or if you yourself uh, are doing things that, uh, don't, that, you know, the, the famous test is if you were to stop doing what you're doing now, would any customer ever notice? Mm. Um, and it's a good rule to, uh, to go by if you're, if, if you're, what you're doing doesn't pass that test then uh, it's a good idea to rethink. Maybe I should be doing something else. (laughs) 
You, you know, I forget what I was reading lately. I try to do some kind of reading every day for at least a half an hour. And I was reading something about how if you're not always out there hunting for customers, then, of course, you're, 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 you're losing the game. Um, and I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, that's not just because, of course, I hunt for customers, but um, I, and I look for them. But I do. I think that your message about everyone in the organization of being focused on finding and cultivating those relationships is really important. Which is another reason I wanted to have you on the show because it connects to how they experience their work. Right, and it's not just finding and cultivating. It's also once you have found them, and they become your customer, and they're paying you money, and they're using your stuff. Uh, it certainly extends there as well. Well, and I'm going to talk more about that kind of all of that because you've got to you go a deep dive into that. But before I do, you your own story of how you even got into this business is interesting. I know you've been in all different kinds of work over your life. You've accumulated a lot of different kinds of experiences. But you told me the story when we first met of how you got into this work, and I'd love for you to share it with our listeners. Sure, um, I was doing. I had a side business that was providing. Uh, marketing communications, consulting, and support to uh, to organizations, and primarily technology firms, larger technology firms, um, like uh, Intel, um, Lucent before they before they merged with Alcatel, uh, Compaq before they were acquired by uh, Hewlett Packard, and so forth, and then and then later on Hewlett Packard and 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 Alcatel, Lucent, and so forth. And they were, these were people running what were called, what are called customer reference programs, which I had never heard, heard of before. Um, so the, the more I got to know them, the more I began to think, uh, you know, first of all, this is kind of interesting that these people spend their entire day thinking about the customers that they have that are successful enough and willing to be a reference uh, or an advocate uh, to take interviews with analyst firms, uh, to speak at industry forums and so forth about the success they've had with, uh, with these companies. And it's like, whoa, this is really interesting. And then as the, uh, the internet uh, came along and people were becoming more and more connected and it became easier and easier for, uh, prospects and buyers to avoid the sales people you know, and avoid the marketing spin and go directly find somebody who is a customer online uh, who's like you and won't spin to you, will tell you what the real deal is. It became far too easy uh, for for prospective buyers to do that. I mean, we're seeing it, of course, now. It's like uh, second nature. But we're seeing it with things like Yelp, uh, Amazon, <clears throat> uh, allowing customer reviews on, uh, on, on uh, Amazon's website was very key, very very essential to uh, to Amazon's ability to keep customers on their site long enough to purchase. Um, so anyway, we're seeing this really everywhere. It's old hat uh, now, and it's like this is really strategic stuff. So about about four, four, uh, about six years ago, um, I submitted a book proposal to Harvard Business Review for a book on the strategic importance of customers like that and uh, got a deal with Harvard Business Review and, uh, and that was kind of that's kind of what got me going <laughs> you make it sound so easy Bill uh, I, I know it wasn't and I know there was a lot of steps involved um, but 
when I when I look at the work that you're doing, I think there's just many layers to it. And I looked, of course, at some of the posts that you have on LinkedIn and Twitter about companies going to these great lengths to create and execute very complicated programs that are all about innovating new products and services to increase sales, et cetera, competitions, challenges, all that good stuff that we're, we're very used to. Um, and But yet what you've done, if I've got this right and you tell me where I'm wrong, you've identified a much simpler path toward cultivating what you call marquee customer relationships instead. Do I have that right? And if so, tell us what you mean. Well, you know, when, when companies, uh, let's say they launch a new initiative, but there's a lot of uh, firms in my world in, uh, in technology and in software that are taking their software to the cloud and they're, they're, they're shifting from, you know, a one-time pur- purchase or a big licensing fee purchase uh, to monthly subscriptions that is very, very disruptive uh, to their business model. Um, so, uh, it's very important to them. It's extremely important to them to have customers who are very happy. They have the, in that business model, they have to have high retention rates. So they have to make them successful, and then they have to get them talking about it. I mean, that's just, it's just become essential. So marquee customers, as you, as you uh, enter a market and you're prioritizing, you know, when you, when you launch a new business division or a new business in general, you have to be very careful with how you invest your money, you know, your marketing budget, your sales budget, and so forth. So if you're just going after any customer, you know, I mean, I mean salespeople tend to do this. They, any sale is a good sale. Um, that's, that can scatter your focus, and that can really be very damaging. It can, be, it can, it can put you at really high risk of running out of money. Uh, before uh, before you've really uh, you know tested and, and gotten your business to where it needs to be, um, so to to uh, to you know prioritize what customers are you going to go after? You want customers who are very influential in your market, customers who won't uh, uh, who who when 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 they do something if they're using your service then other people are going to know about it because they're influential. They're people that other, other customers, other buyers are watching. Uh, and they're also very innovative themselves. That's part of what makes them uh, very influential. So these are the kinds of traits that, uh, that marquee customers have. And there was a very powerful research study done, done by a guy named David G. Thompson um, uh, about a decade ago. He's a former McKinsey consultant. And um, what he wanted to do was understand, the, get down to the dynamics of rapid growth. You know, what is it that propels companies like Microsoft, like Amazon, like eBay, and so forth? What is it that they do uh, that's different from those who don't achieve that level of growth? And what he found, the major, there were seven factors, but the most important, the major factor that permeated all the other, most of the others, was that they found and cultivated and won the business and built long-term relations, uh, relationships with marquee customers. Mm. That's who you focus on. Okay, so to distinguish this for our listeners, Bill, so we enjoy a, a global listening audience, and we have listeners, lots of listeners in California, Texas, China, Japan. Um, so some of those people might not be uh, professional salespeople. So I think what I would like to distinguish for them and with you is what you're talking about is way beyond just a really good referral network, which seems very passive to me. Yes? 
Um, yes. Say more. How so? I mean, Distinguish that for a, us. A referral network often means, like, uh, I mean, my, I, I've seen it used, like, uh, by professionals, maybe uh, consultants or maybe small firms that sort of band together and, and, and offer to refer each other. You know, it's like, okay, if you have a client that, <clears throat> excuse me, that, uh, that you know, you, you've got a good relationship with, uh, and and you find out that they need my service, what it is that I can do for them, then you refer me, and I do the same for you. Is that what you mean by a referral network? Uh, yes, and beyond that as well, Bill, I can tell you that for me, I've certainly been on the lovely receiving end of a phone call when somebody calls and says, hey, Elise, I got your name and number from so-and-so who was in one of your leadership programs, and she said it was really great, and thought I thought maybe we could do something similar here. Can we talk? Mm-hmm. So it's an actual and client. This was, this was this was a call from someone who took, in other words, one of your customers. Yeah. So the, let me let me lay it out for you. So this would be this would be um, someone who doesn't know me, who's never met me, who's called me because they were having a conversation with with a client who was in a program that I led or facilitated. And that person had a really good experience and was was having a conversation about the the program to this person right. who called me saying, "Hey, was really great value. You know, if you're looking for something or whatever that piqued your interest, she shared my her number with this person who then called me, and I was on the lovely yeah. receiving end of that. Now these yeah. are not mark they're not marquee, but it's referral and it's nothing that I really did proactively. Right, um, and you're right. I mean that's that so that's a referral from a client. And that's, yes. that's huge. That is part of this. So okay. just imagine if you intentionally cultivated clients in a particular market who were very prominent. People in the market knew them. Like they were the, uh, you know, they served in the professional association. Um, they were, their business model was respected. People like to pay attention to what they do because, you know, they're very good. So imagine you have somebody that's more at that level. Uh, then some, you know, some, uh, you know, some, some customer who may not be at that level. I mean, it's still great that they do that and you want to encourage that. But, but if you, if you really sought out the, the marquees or some people call them MVPs in your market and, and, and were able to get them doing that sort of thing, think how powerful that would be. Mm-hmm. Right? There are no I got that. Lots of people in the market. And if you, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of my clients, for example, will get a customer like that. And I'm thinking of Citrix is a really good example of a firm, Citrix Systems, um, now just playing Citrix. Uh, they, uh, they very much cultivate really marquee customers. For, for example, you know, customers like J.P. Morgan, uh, uh, Miami Children's Hospital, uh, you know, companies that are highly well-known and highly respected in their markets. And they're very good about cultivating them. So, so that's, that's what I'm talking about. Make sure that you're going after that that level, that quality of a customer. Another word, another word uh, that I use for them is uh, the eagles in their market. You know, the mm-hmm. winners, um, the ones that are that are known for being all they can be. They're innovative. They're on the cutting edge. Everybody's watching them. That's who you want uh, to to target and go after. And if you if you're not going at, uh, this is a question that's some, it's sometimes some tough love that I give the clients, but if you're not going after that kind of customer, you might think about, well, why are we in this business? Mm-hmm. As you were talking, Bill, the image I got in my head was 
something with a big megaphone behind it or in front of it, it blasting out the message. I got that, that it would be impossible not to notice that message almost. Is that what you're saying? No. Uh, what, uh, in fact, it's, it's sort of like, uh, like maybe the reverse of that. It's like somebody talking quietly, you know, mm. or whatever, but people are flocking. It's like there were these old commercials. This is, I'm dating myself, but there's this commercial that E.F. Hutton used to put, to put on called when, when, uh, E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. Got it, got it, got um, it, got it. Great. So it's like, you don't have to go out, you know, you know, the, the megaphone and going out and, and uh, you know, all this, uh, you know, all this marketing where you're, you're ubiquitous, you're everywhere, and you're really, like, being loud, so to speak. That's not the idea. The idea is to have somebody that people in your market want to listen to. They want to know what they're doing, and they'll seek that out. I got it. I'm so you know, when, glad that, when Citrix, that I... When Citrix is doing, like, let's say it's annual... Uh, you know, it's like it's, it's yearly sales kickoff or whatever, and the CEO is there, um, and the press is there, the media is there. You know, it's it's people watch. Citrix is is respected themselves, and then when they put a customer on, like uh, you know, a major global bank uh, or a major um, hospital, they put them up on stage and start talking uh, about what they've achieved and what they're doing. You know, people are going to listen. I got that. And perfect. Isn't that just a perfect time to go for a break? <laughs> I'm your host, Elise. Right. With that, I mean, that is a powerful point. Let's go on a break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Bill Lee, who is the founder and CEO of the Center for Customer Engagement, which provides consulting and research services for senior management, as well as a global peer community and educational services for customer engagement implementation teams. He is the president of the Summit on Customer Engagement and the author of The Hidden Wealth of Customers. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. We've been talking a bit about this whole notion of customer advocacy. We'll talk more about it after the break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life 
have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Bill Lee, the founder and CEO of the Center for Customer Engagement, which provides consulting and research services for senior management, as well as a global peer community and educational services for customer engagement implementation teams. He is the president of the Summit on Customer Engagement and the author of The Hidden Wealth of Customers. Bill has spoken to a wide variety of business audiences, such as the International Advertising Association, the Business Marketing Association, the American Marketing Association, Forrester Research the Net Promoter Annual Conference, the Veritas President's Forum, the Marketing Executives Networking Group, and it goes on and on and on. The man really does know his stuff. It's so awesome to have you on, Bill. Welcome back. All right. Thanks. So Great to be here. Great. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a really you know there's a lot that we could, that I want to peel back for our listeners because as you you and I talked on the break, some of the the people listening this might be a really really novel concept for them. This notion of of cultivating marquee customers. And so I want to make sure that they really walk away with a good understanding of what we mean and why it might be something for them to check into. So to get to that point, why might companies be reticent to adopt a customer advocacy approach like like we're talking about here? Well, I think there's uh, there's actually a couple of questions there. Most of them get that they need some sort of customer advocacy, by which I mean customers... Uh, providing references like we talked about earlier and referrals and talking to the media, you know, their industry, the industry media for their vendor and, and sometimes they do speaking at industry events and so forth. So I think most people get the importance of that. But then the, I was talking to a, a very uh, accomplished chief customer officer in Silicon Valley who's actually, uh, well, he's, he's just, he's a very accomplished guy. There's no question. And he thought, when I raised the the um, issue of a marquee customer, <laughs> excuse me, um, he actually uh, was sort of recoiled a little bit. And I asked, uh, it, it sounds like you know he sort of fell silent. And I said, uh, you know, I said, gosh, uh, uh, is there something that that I'm missing here? Did did uh, did you know are we not connecting on this issue? Or what's the deal? And he said, well, a marquee customer is somebody like Walmart. Right? They're a big, honking, famous brand, you know, gigantic firm, but nobody wants, you know, nobody wants them for a customer because they, they're a vendor killer. They'll squeeze your margins. They'll, they'll, you know, they just, they have no regard for their vendors. And, uh, so I explained to them, well, that's not a marquee customer. Uh, so it's, it's helpful. I think when I talk about this, Topic. Uh, I always, you know, I, I describe what a marquee customer is. They're influential in the market. Other buyers will listen when they talk. Um, they're highly innovative themselves. They'll help you be innovative. 
uh, and they also regard you as important to their business. Uh, you're not just like another vendor or a commodity. They, they regard you in some ways important to their business, their business strategy. So that's what they are. And then I'm, I'm quick to point out, you know, now this doesn't mean um, famous brands. You know, they might be, but not necessarily. And then Walmart is a perfect example of a famous brand that would, not, would almost certainly not be a uh, marquee mm-hmm. customer. Um, and then, uh, and then some people think, well, is it, it must be our biggest revenue customer. And it's like, no, maybe it might be, but the traits are the ones that, that I just described. It's those three traits. Those are the customers that will give you leverage. Um, and if you, if you're a lot of companies and especially sales departments are focused on the next sale and on that big, you know, that big kill, you know, somebody that's going to be, you know, a six or seven figure contract. They focus on that, and they think, well, that must be a marquee customer. And it's like, well, they'll pay you a lot of money, you know, and that's great. But true marquee customers will give you uh, leverage and value uh, 5x, 10x, or more than just the money that they pay you because of the referrals, the the branding that they help you uh, achieve, uh, the notoriety and awareness that they help you achieve, and so forth and so on. They're the leverage of they're, they're, they're the the customers that provide real leverage beyond just what they're paying you. Hmm. I get this, Bill, and what I'm really, really getting present to is just how beautiful the strategy of this whole thing is. Uh, and certainly, I can well imagine it takes an, an incredible amount of effort and um, finesse to be able to land a client like this, a customer like this. Yes, it does. Yeah, which is where you come in, right? Yeah, yeah, and and just quickly because I do want to I want to talk next a little bit more about uh, the insides of of how this affects a company's culture. But just you know, to presences for our listeners, um, you, you know, when you are working with with clients, I, I'm sure that you have a, a gamut of services that you can provide. Um, but are you in part coaching them on how to be able to go after clients like this? Um, I have started to in the last. Uh, I'm, well, I'm right now ramping up IP. Um, I've done research. Part of what we do is, is research, uh, and I've um, I've noticed in the research that we do, and also in various anecdotal case studies that we come up with, that it seems to be that it's con- that it is confirming Thompson's uh, research that yes, indeed, companies that are doing, for example, Cit- I mentioned Citrix. Uh, they're not. Uh, hugely well-known, but fairly well-known technology firm that happens to be quite good at cultivating marquee customers, as, as I was talking about. And uh, they they recently went through uh, some some rather tough times. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they finally, they, they were another software firm that needed to go to the cloud, that needed to you know, dramatically change the platform for their software and so forth and so on. And they were struggling a bit with this, uh, but they've made it through. Their revenue is back up and growing again. Uh, they rebounded very well, and uh, and I would you know I would I would not hesitate to say that their relay their long term relationships with the marquee customers that they've cultivated over years uh, was a big help of that. Hmm. Mm. Well, I'll say one thing that we say very often here in Insignia, and that is that uh, relationship is the foundation of all results. And so, what you're talking about certainly 
jives with just the general work that we do too. And then related to that, Bill, I, you started to, to, to get here, and I really want to bring this home for our listeners who are also looking at how this topic is relative to how they can more meaningfully and productively connect with their work. One of the things that you said when I first met you is that companies that focus on strong customer advocacy also often have very vibrant cultures that encourage their employees to unify in solidarity of their service. Um, there's something about that, there, that being focused like uh, on these kinds of customers and in this kind of a capacity that's very energizing and has a, an effect. Um, mm. So I, I would be interested to, to hear what is a company, what does this kind of a company culture look like? What are employees doing and saying that distinguishes them? Well, it's uh, the way I look at it is, uh, I think I've got a new paper uh, that I've, I've just come out with. It's called Growth by Hanging Out. And um, what what it means is it's like a basic piece of wisdom that we've known since we were kids, Uh, and that is it matters. And and, and then when we started having kids of our own, uh, it matters who you hang out with. Um, And if you've – I use a story of uh, some high school boys that I work with up at my church. Uh, When when, when, uh, I meet with them every week in what are called life groups, and when one of them gets off on the wrong track or he's not showing up, uh, and I find out what's what's going on. I finally say, where's John? Uh, we'll use the name John. What's happened to him? And I'll hear things like, well, uh, you know, he's cutting class. And somebody else will say, uh, you know, I think uh, I think his grades are dropping. And then someone else will say, well, I, th- I saw him the other day hanging out with some pretty sketchy-looking dudes. And then the other kids in the group will say, five friends. That's a little code phrase we have, and what it means is you are the average of your five closest friends. So if you're hanging out with, uh, you know, losers, if you're hanging out with, uh, you know, kids with bad attitudes, kids that are kind of nihilistic about their lives and so forth, well, guess what? Um, you're gonna you're gonna go south, and that's why that was their conclusion on what was happening with John. He was hanging out with sketchy kids. Um, the average of his five. You know, people that he was, the average of his five closest friends had gone down. And it works in the other way, too. If you hang out with kids who are excelling, uh, you know, the winners, kids who are on a path to be all they can be, well, that's going to lift you up as well. I mean, look at the Olympics. Uh, you see athletes uh, all that do, that do these incredible things together. And if you look back on their, on their history and their development, they've been hanging around the very best, as much as they can. They hang around the best. Uh, and, and that's what pushes them to, to get good as well. Well, that same concept, that's Thompson's research. That same concept works for organizations. Uh, so you want, if you're cultivating, you'll just take any customer. Uh, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if, if any customer, if, if every sale is a good sale, and you're taking just any customer that's easy to make a sale to, um, then uh, you're not necessarily surrounding your organization with the best people, with the best customers, the ones that will push you in a good way. Um, but when you do, Elise, when you do target and cultivate those kinds of customers, um, then here's what happens. Uh, first off, they keep you on your toes in ways that organizational change efforts by themselves cannot do. But right, if you've got the CEO or your or your HR people, uh, you know, uh, you know, working on some culture change initiative or some reorg initiative, that's going to get a, those get a lot of resistance. Everybody that's been involved in those knows, knows about that. Uh, 
But if you get uh, the voice of the customer, if you've got actual customers, especially your best marquee customers, asking for those changes, that resistance goes away. Wow. So you know what? Why, I, that's another, sorry, go I'm ahead. Sorry? No, go ahead. I'll comment afterwards. Go ahead. So that's, um, well, I was just going to say that's, that's, that is the, uh, I think that's the, the most powerful motivator to motivate people to change. It's hard to argue with what customers, especially your best customers, want. How are you going to argue against that? Mm-hmm. You you just given me something here, Bill, and I'll I'll share it with all of us here. And that is that you know obviously we as a firm do organizational transformation kind of work. We do work within organizations through the leaders all the way through the organization to help them change, and we do that around some kind of a major initiative that they need to embrace in order to move the business forward. And what I'm reminded of when you when you just spoke there, Bill, is one of the clients we're working on right now is absolutely working around and through a very large, important customer request initiative. And we're doing a breakthrough project with them. So this breakthrough project really requires them to change radically the way they they work together as an organization to create products and bring them to markets to serve this particular customer who's asked for this particular change. Um, And we're talking marching orders here. So... I really get when you when you talk about what the if, if the customer helps bring up your game, and that that's what ripples through how and changes how you act and how you how you serve. That is a perfect example, and that's to, I totally get what you're talking about now that you brought that together in in, in those terms. Yeah. I mean, there was there was uh, one of my favorite stories uh, is uh, a, a uh, business transformation that Hewlett Packard pulled off back when Carly Fiorina was CEO. Mm. Uh, this was in the early 2000s, and they were a dysfunctional. <laughs> uh, you know, for those who, who know their history, they were about as dysfunctional an organization as you can get. Uh, this was in like uh, two, uh, the early 2000s, and their uh, their enterprise business, the, the the business that sells to big giant corporations, uh, they decided to pull off a, a, a very uh, a very aggressive and ambitious. Uh, uh, organizational change, change in, in, in their positioning and so forth. They wanted to go from being a technology provider to these enterprise customers. They wanted to be a trusted advisor. So uh, now that all sounds great, but the key thing was that they talked to their leading customers. They started this initiative with just two of their enterprise customers, but obviously these were two extremely important enterprise customers. Uh, and they started with them, and they basically worked with the customers to say, well, how will this look? What is it you want from us? Uh, you know, how can we create more value? How can we achieve this trusted advisor, uh, you know, role with you? And a lot of the things these customers want in something like that, um, Elise, is, is sometimes pretty daunting. It's like, whoa. Yeah. But that's the kind of push. You know that Olympic athletes give each other. Right, you're working with the best here. You want to allow them to push you in that direction. So, uh, with customers asking and wanting this, uh, you know, organizational resistance melted. There, you know, and then then when they got those wins, they rolled it out again to another five or seven enterprise customers with similar results, with big uh, gains in revenue from these customers. Uh, again, they were able to do it uh, very quickly, and you know this wasn't taking years. And then finally, with that success and all that you know customer input, 
that they responded to, and it was translating beautifully to the bottom line. They rolled it out globally for the entire business after that. So this was a huge win for mm-hmm. Hewlett Packard back when they were in the middle of all this dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That to me is a test. You know, that's a test for how powerful, uh, you know, uh, if you will, the voice of the customer can be, even in, a, in, a, in an organization that was suffering like they were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got it very clearly because, again, so much of the work that we do is around helping our clients produce breakthrough results. In other words, things that were not seen as possible without you know, yeah. being able to write the compass on and rivet it on that particular promise or possibility that they, that they created for themselves. And very often it's around producing a revenue target, um, satisfying a client, um, changing its the its place in the marketplace in terms of of its numerical ranking, those kinds of initiatives. And you're right. When we align the people around those kinds of things, everybody's hearts and minds are all focused on that. And you're right. The resistance melts away. Yeah, I mean, one thing I like to do when people talk about we want to be we we want to go from being number four to number two, or uh, uh, you know, or, or goals like this. My first question. <laughs> Excuse me. Is uh, can I talk to, uh, to some of your customers, your leading customers? And I use I basically use the definition of marquee customers. Um, let me talk to them. And uh, so I'll talk to them and I'll ask them uh, what they want from the relationship, where they're what, where they're not getting it. And so you know I'll, I'll go into some depth with them. And if what they want doesn't align. With these, uh, with this goal that management has decided to come up with, then uh, you know I, I go back and I say to the management, "This is a red flag. Why are you doing this? If customers don't care about it, or if it's not aligned with what they really want from you, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why spend energy or cycle on it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that is another good place for a break, so hold that thought and that breath for just a second there, Bill. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Bill Lee, the founder and CEO of the Center for Center of Customer Engagement, which provides consulting and research services for senior management as well as a global peer community and educational services for customer engagement implementation teams. He is the president of the Summit on Customer Engagement and the author of The Hidden Wealth of Customers. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. After the break, we're going to talk about his summit as well as a bit more about how what we've been speaking about connects to how employees enjoy their work in a more meaningful fashion. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise. A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Bill Lee, who is the founder and CEO of the Center for Customer Engagement, which provides consulting and research services for senior management, as well as a global peer community and educational services for customer engagement implementation teams. He is the president of the Summit on Customer Engagement and the author of The Hidden Wealth of Customers. So before the break, we were talking a bit about really how this focus on customer advocacy can impact and strengthen culture and unite people. What I want to do next to finish that conversation, if we can, Bill, is I want to connect the dots on how serving customers and, and serving them well, especially marquee customers who really bring up your game, contributes to more meaningful connection to work. So if you would comment on that, and then I, I know I've got a couple of things to add to it as well. Sure. You know, a great example of that is uh, Salesforce, uh, originally Salesforce.com, now just Salesforce. Uh, this is, you know, they, they provide a CRM uh, platform and they are the ones that invented cloud uh, cloud computing, uh, cloud software, uh, and so forth. You know, software as a service, uh, and it's, it was Mark Benioff and Salesforce that that uh, invented all that. And what they were doing, it was a response to the enterprise software firms like Oracle and SAP, who were just serving their customers badly. Uh, they were. You know, just, just very briefly, they would charge uh, sometimes millions of dollars for their enterprise software to these to these uh, customers, and then once they dumped it off and installed it, it's like from 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 here on, you're on your own. That was their attitude. It was just horrible the way they were treating these customers. Mm. And finally, they started to uh, kind of rebel against this. Well, Benioff responded to that by starting. He was he had worked. He was a star at Oracle. And he went off and started Salesforce in his apartment there in, in San Francisco. And uh, so his, when he was starting this with his, with his original employees and so forth, they were so jazzed 
by getting customers and then working with them every step when they developed a product or you know some some uh, version of software uh, or whatever or modifications and so forth and as, as they were developing their platform they loved to do it in an iterative process with the customer to make sure that they're that the customer is really getting exceptional value uh, from the software and that was so motivating to their to the employees right it wasn't just Benioff standing up he's a big huge guy he's like he looks like a tackle in the NFL and it wasn't just him standing up and demanding this you know and saying that's what we got to do it's like they were working directly with customers to achieve uh, exceptional customer service and customer outcomes and that's that's what is there that you can do that's more motivating than that mm-hmm mm-hmm I got that. And what I was thinking of when we were when we were connecting these dots is very much along those same lines about the, how motivating that is. The other piece that I thought was really interesting is when you think about what I know from my own research, Bill, I mean, I've been investigating how people experience meaning in their work for 15 years and um, I'm working on a book from, from the research as, as we speak. One of the things that people find really motivating is this feeling of being competent. And so if they feel like, wow, I'm really doing this work well, I'm serving this customer really well, and look at this as an amazing customer, there's something about knowing that you're good at something, that you nailed something that really is very motivating as well. Um, Also, like, right, and then also there's that notion of, of being held to a standard, that, as you say, these, these, these clients will teach you something and cause you to, to, to work at a higher level. There's something about that, too, that's also very motivating for people to be held to that standard and know that they can actually meet it. That's also motivating. Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. So this is, this is, this is fun to talk about. And, and, and on the heels, no less, you, I know you're working furiously. You've got your 2018 Summit on Customer Engagement coming up right around the corner in March. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit here, Bill, because I, I think it will help also our listeners understand what it is that you're up to and um, how your work impacts the clients you're working with and, and really also, again, just how you're socializing these efforts. Um, and, and since I've I've always wanted to actually create some kind of a conference, um, first I got to ask, why did you start hosting the summit? This is your second year. Why did you start hosting it? Well, when I first started working with these folks, uh, I would, they, they, you know, I was working with them and I got to be known, uh, among several of these, uh, these people that were running these uh, old customer reference programs. And then they would start asking me, can you, especially when the internet was coming, coming along and everybody had their, you know, their, their, their company, you know, up on the internet and so forth. And they would start posting customer reference stories, you know, success stories. And, uh, and then at some point they're doing videos with these customers and so forth talking about, you know, how, how well they're being served by these companies. And then they'd start looking at other people's websites, like the, uh, let's say somebody at Intel would look at uh, Alcatel-Lucent's website and say, that's pretty cool. I'd like to talk to whoever's running the reference program over at Alcatel-Lucent. So they would contact me for this. Uh, can you introduce me? And so I started doing this, and uh, after I heard this enough, I I then said, yeah, don't you have some kind of professional association or something that where you get together live? And he said, the answer was always no, but if you ever hear of one, let me know. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> so we started, I partnered with uh, a, a software provider to this audience uh, that I was working with and uh, who had a pretty good-sized database. And uh, also I partnered with another firm that had experience in event planning, which I knew nothing about. 
and uh, we put on a show, and we got, uh, you know, almost twice as many people as we expected. And, uh, I charged a lot more than people said I should, because otherwise, you know, why do it? And uh, so we were off. And that was, uh, first one was 2005 in Scottsdale, Arizona. And we've been doing it ever since. <laughs> It's you know when I listen to you talk, Bill. What I get, and I want the listeners to get, catch this too, is it, it it strikes me that you've got what I call a really good sniffer, meaning that you you can really be present to conversation, possibility, and opportunity, and create something. You you have a unique ability, it seems, to be able to listen to what's going on in the marketplace and to respond to it with an offering that has value that people want to pay for, and I think it's really remarkable. Um, well, this is this uh, this. Well, I guess we could say this is an example I did. There's been sometimes where uh, <laughs> where it fell flat in its face, you know. Um, uh, but that's how you learn. That's how you uh, that's how you learn and adapt and, and get better. Um, I feel like if I'm not failing also once in a while, that uh, that I'm probably not pushing hard enough, pushing mm-hmm. the, the limits and the boundaries hard enough. But mm-hmm. I appreciate that comment. I, I uh, it was one of those things that did work out pretty well. <laughs> well, and I also appreciate the 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 the, the embrace of failure. And I, I, one of the things that we talk about within our firm is the the book Black Box Thinking, which encourages failure, frequent failure, in order to find even greater successes. So I echo that and appreciate that too, and and also the humility with which you are delivering that. So thank you for that. It's just great for all of our listeners to to get that as they're thinking for themselves individually. Bill, some people are listening to the show because they're trying to reinvent themselves. They're trying to consider how to bring up their own game in sales. Um, and so what you're saying about really putting yourself out there is, and, and you know, risking failure is, is important for them to hear and remind them that, yeah. you know, look what look what you've done. So it's it's just, and that's so much of what I try to do on the show, Bill, is to really, really empower my listeners with information, resources, in, inspiration so that they'll go after their dreams. So thank you for yeah. saying that the way that you did. It was great. Um, you're welcome. So, Back on on the summit, um, what I also find fascinating about what you're doing is, you know, you've created a platform to to let to let your your clients and your associates socialize about the same stuff that you care about, which I think is just brilliant. It's like a movement of sorts, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm interested to understand who attends this summit and what do they actually get from the experience. Well, these are the uh, these are the folks that implement. They're at the implementation level. They tend to be senior managers, directors of what are often called customer. There's some, some of them are still called customer reference programs or customer advocacy programs or customer marketing programs and so forth. These are the people that implement these programs. They, you know, they set up the operation. They develop relationships with their, with their customer advocates and hopefully with their marquee customers. Uh, they work with them. To, uh, to get out and um, tell their story and get interviewed by the market and so forth. Um, and it's this resource, these customers who are both successful um, and influential in the marketplace, uh, I, think, uh, I think it's clear that these are, these are the most important resources, growth resources that companies have these days, and they're, and they're in charge of that. Um, they're in charge of developing those relationships. So uh, that's what we do. And we talk about the, uh, the various issues that they run into. Um, you know, there's always, in any profession, there's always pain points. You know, there's always 
uh, puzzling situations, and they get together and uh, uh, and talk about them. And we and, well, and uh, most of the presenters. I mean, I lead off with the keynote, and then we get uh, we get a couple, one or two high-profile people. We've had Don Peppers, uh, Fred Reichel. These are these are big names in the customer customer strategy world. Um, and then, but most of them are, are are their peers. These are people that are doing very interesting, very good work. Uh, they'll they'll submit a proposal to present to me. It's kind of an honor for them to get to do that, uh, which which I'm honored by, of course. And uh, and that's what most of their time is spent is just with their with their peers. And that's when when uh, when I'm at this event, the most excited I see people is when uh, they they're surrounded by peers who understand what they do. It's a very human reaction. They yes. don't always feel understood or appreciated in the organizations. And now they're with a bunch of people that understand what they do. They understand their common pains and their common frustrations and their joys, you know, and their their victories. They are able to share all that. So it's pretty satisfying. Mm-hmm. I, I, I liken it to, you know, wow, I found my people. This is my tribe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> and there is That's something right. very empowering about that. Yeah. And you and your team brought that together. I just, I really applaud that, Bill. Yeah. I just really admire that. Well, That's you know, fantastic. You know, the the uh, your comment earlier about kind of being in the moment and listening, uh, it's it, it's really so important uh, that that you go. I see a lot of people. They'll go into a sales call. They'll go into a meeting where they're trying to get budget for their program, and they're all, you know, just they're they're, they're all focused on what they want. And that's not where the that's not where the big win is going to come from. It's going to it's going to come from understanding what the other person, the, you know, the, the the buyer, the prospect, uh, your boss, the board. It's understanding what they want and need, being very very clear on that. And uh, I mean, I've seen I've seen training where where people are trained on connecting. There's some very good work being done now on training people to connect. With, with others, with their, you know, with their peers, with their, with, with the people they're leading, with their leadership and so forth. How to connect on a one, on a human basis. And when you, when you see people approach a situation in the usual way, like a salesperson who's trying to land a big deal, and you see them approach that and they're nervous, they, uh, you know, they forget what they're going to say, they're worried they'll blow it, you know, because they're focused on getting the deal. So the training is, that, okay, let's try to, you know, this all this is being videotaped in a workshop, so it's a safe environment. And then say, okay, let's try it again. And this time, I want you to think about how can you find out what's on this guy's mind. And the transformation is remarkable. All of a sudden, they're relaxed. Um, they're, they're much more, you know, they're much more charismatic. They're much more, uh, they're, they're connecting much more with the other person by getting, working to understand and asking questions and really listening and stop worrying about whether this fits with my agenda. Let's just understand their agenda. So powerful. And then when you do when you know, when you adopt that mindset, then guess what? You know, you're gonna start understanding these people that you want things from a lot better. Yeah. Bill, and that is a perfect way to finish the show. We are out of time, and that couldn't have been a better way to close the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great to have you as a guest. Well, thank you, Elise. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it. 
If you want to learn more about Bill Lee and the work he and his team do at the Center for Customer Engagement or his books or the upcoming Summit on Customer Engagement, visit their website at centerforcustomerengagement.com. Join us next week when we talk with Henda Samaran about her newly released memoir called Grit Under My Nails, One Woman's Extraordinary Journey to Discover It's All Possible, Including Survival. See you then, and remember, work is at least one-third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.